0: Um, the sermon text this morning is, is from the lectionary. It's the continuation of Mark's gospel. It's tied to the Genesis passage that we heard earlier for World Communion Sunday, uh, all around the, the idea of oneness. Uh, what, is, what does it mean to be one world? What does it mean to be one with others? Um, So let me read to you uh, from this narrative, the continuing narrative of Jesus and his disciples struggling with this idea of how big really is God's love for this world. How big is it really, and why can't we get it? Uh, Mark chapter 10, beginning at the second verse. Some Pharisees came up to Jesus, and they wanted to test him, so they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus answered them, Well, what does Moses command you about this? They said, Well, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal to divorce her. Jesus said to them, you hard-hearted individuals, because of your hardness of heart, this commandment was written for you, because you don't know about love. But for, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife, and the two become one. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one put asunder. Then in the house, the disciples were concerned, and they asked him again about this matter of divorce. And Jesus said, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery as well. And I'll insert, and everybody was very uncomfortable. But there were some people in the room bringing children into Jesus' presence in order that he might touch them. And the disciples, very anxious about this topic, not for children, the disciples spoke sternly to the children. And sent them away, and Jesus saw this and was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took the children up in his arms, and he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. So I was very amused last week by Phil's uh, uh, sermon also about a time when the disciples were in a very deep discussion about who's going to hell and who's not. And right in the middle of that, Jesus picks up a child. And, And what is it about Jesus? Every time we get into a topic that we as really meaty as adults and we want to understand, we want to get all the words right, we want to make sure who has access to salvation and who doesn't, and in the middle of all these, or, you know, what what about this marriage and divorce thing? And in the middle of that, just inserts children. What is he trying to say to the adults? the You thinking smart people who got all the right words. In just a few moments, we're going to um, have communion at this table. And this is World Communion Sunday. Um We're going to use words to make and bless this meal. Not unlike using a recipe uh, to replicate this meal down through the ages. That's what recipes are good for. Uh, Because you can have a recipe that came from a long time ago. And the idea is that if you got that recipe, then the thing that you make will taste a lot like the thing that was made a long time ago. So World Communion Sunday, the idea started in the 30s. Uh, I think it was Presbyterians who, who, who pushed this idea that they envisioned a Sunday where um, communion could be served in churches across denominational lines, international lines, language lines, that would focus on the unity of the body of Christ, the oneness of communion, which is another word for oneness to Commune with God, with one another. Um, The idea was not to create one church where everybody's Presbyterian, but to allow many churches and traditions to acknowledge their connectedness, their desire, their belief that the love of God does make us one. It's plenty big. It's we who have the problem. It's not the problem with God's love. Um, You see, Back at the turn of the century, and probably still today, or you know, throughout all time, uh, in the in in the tens, teens, and thirties, denominationalism was very potent. Um, I've I've been into church attics and look up old records, and and I'm not going to leave my old sermons up in the attic of this church. By gosh, because I've found some old sermons up in the attics from old churches that I've served that were around in the 30s and you would be shocked at some of the language used by the preachers in that time where uh, one church I served the Catholic Church Roman Catholic Church was across the street and the Baptist Church was right next door and the Presbyterian you we know, were right there and, and these sermons were predicated on the idea that let me tell you why we have it right and they have it wrong. These sermons that are all about um, righteousness is something we want to obtain by filtering out the unrighteous. And we're good at it. Uh, when, when we want something to be special, something to be sacred, something to be holy, the way that we do that is by keeping the unholy away. That's what we do. That's what humans do. And it's not just in church. We, we, we've, we've seen a, a process all this week about who, who's qualified to be in something and those who are not because if it's to be elevated then it needs to be filtered. We're good at it. We've made a science of it. If you read these old sermons um, some of the language was every bit as conflicted and vitriolic as some of the language you heard this week if you listen to our nation's leaders. So it's nothing new for us as human beings to be good at this dividing work, at this filtering work, because of the things that we think matter and that we think we want to elevate above other things. And they did it with, with denominations then. We do it with all kinds. Of, it's, it's moved out of the church. It, for, for centuries, the church was that, that, that one that peddled out the salvation of God and Jesus Christ. And if we're going to be the ones that give it out, you know, we, there was a lot of uh, brokenness and conflict among people. Well, that's, that's moved into all kinds of areas of our world, not just the church. Um, but somehow this, uh, this idea of world communion came out of that conflicted church time. And uh, the idea was, was predicated on the observance that the words of uh, consecration that you hear when we have communion are so similar across denominations, across centuries, across languages. It is something that by the efforts of the church, apostolic idea, this recipe, these, these same words are very, very similar to the ones they were in the first and second century. And very few things do that. But these, the communion liturgy has that um, characteristic. Um, we're all using a similar recipe we're using similar words and with these words that we'll hear again today by the way are we um is the liturgy here or am i doing that i can't remember okay got it um So the the words of the prayer is very similar to the words that uh, were said centuries ago. And we're going to share them today as we make this holy meal. We're going to follow that recipe. Um, The hope is that by doing that, by acknowledging and using similar words, uh, we are going to be tasting the same kind of thing that was tasted when the original recipe was cooked up. You got that? So that's, that's World Communion Sunday. That's why communion is the thing that we strive to make universal. Uh, but we have to acknowledge that for some reason it is important to human beings to show that when we find something special or reverent or we want to show our piety, we have, to, uh, we have to filter it. We have to exclude someone from, from something in order to say this is special or this is only for adults to talk about, don't let the children talk about it, or this is only for people who are the righteous or the confessed, or, you know, there's all kinds of ways that we do this. Like, we can limit access to the saving power of Jesus. That's really what it's about. Like, we can limit access to the saving power of Jesus. Um, And just like you heard last week with Phil's sermon about the children, this week we hear, again, Jesus didn't do that. it's the disciples, we, who follow him, who would divide or filter or discriminate or keep, keep the children away because we're talking about adult things over here. Or they would say, who is the greatest? We want to know. We want to filter. We want to set some kind. We want to have an idea that we're using the right words, and they're not. And Jesus blew it out of the water every single time saying, you got this wrong. It is so big. It is not yours to keep the children away. Even when he's talking about taking off appendages, right? Even when he's talking about marriage and divorce. If if it's real, the children are right in the middle of it because we are ultimately all children. So no matter how great your vocabulary is, no matter how smart you are, Jesus is trying to say you are in over your head when you're talking about the love and the salvation of God. So come as a child. And if you can't come as a child, you're going to have a hard time getting in at all. That's the only way Jesus filtered it. He said, if you can't come as a child. So the words of the recipe of Holy Communion give us a chance to make something with these words that that lasts, that endures, this recipe that tastes the same now as it did them across the generations, no matter what language we're using. Uh, this, the, at the 11 o'clock service, we're going to be trying to have a service with Lithuania. They're going to be singing a different language than we are, but it won't matter because the, 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 the words and the recipe are the same and we're making the same meal. And this notion of making something with words... Uh, goes back to the Hebrew idea of of how God made the world. God made all that there is with God's word. God spoke it into existence. God God spoke and God said. Using words, let there be light, bam, there was light. Let there be the heavens, bam, the heavens, the oceans. The, you know, so the, the whole Genesis story is, is, is this idea that God made something using these words, this recipe, and something about human beings, he gave us words as well. And the idea of making something that lasts, making something that endures, making something that has the power of the words in a recipe is something that was passed on to human beings um jesus spoke about marriage as you didn't talk about but what, when when we make a marriage it's not unlike the way god made the world your uh, the tradition is that you two people come and they they're married and then at the end of the service they're not married but what happened in the beginning in the middle that made that happen they they spoke it they they made a marriage with words it didn't exist Now it does, what happened? They spoke words. They, like God, spoke into existence something that was not, that now is. Uh, In his conversation with the Pharisees, uh, they were testing him about marriage and divorce because it's a touchy subject and people really don't want. It, but it really matters. And and Jesus, he really says, "You are so hard-hearted that this need to know who's in and who's out and what were the words of that contract that Moses said you had to write to get it just right, so you could become disunited, so you could unmake your marriage." Well, Moses said, "If you write a certificate." And, well, what were the words on those certificates? Well, we've got a whole. Uh, divorce uh, lawyers make a lot of money getting those words just right, don't they? Um, Jesus came against that notion of the Pharisees that that we're capable of unmaking something that was made the way God made the world. Jesus rejected the idea that something made sacred can be unmade. Now, most of you, like me, have friends, family members, people you know and love who are divorced, right? It is a tough, tough thing. Uh, But most of my friends and my family members, when we're we're talking about life and love and the things that matter, I hear, more often than not, when people talk about their exes, if you really talk about it, they say, you know, they're never, really, ever going to be not a part of who I am. In fact, sometimes the worst, the worst unmakings are the thing, the, the thing that, made, that, that set a lot of things in motion for the rest of your life. You can't unmake that. It was part of who I am. They talk about their exes are still very much a part of who I am. In fact, was formative in who I am and, and how I met my, my, my current spouse. I am not the same person that I was that made me who I am. So the idea that Jesus was rejecting is the idea you never just unmake. There's no such thing as divorcing love. Love either is and once it is, it is forever. It is made. Unmaking something that is made with words, divine words, cannot be unmade. You can't you can't unbake a cake. Okay? So you get the ingredients, right? You follow the recipe and you bake the cake. The cake cannot be unbaked. It's there. It's real. It doesn't go away. No matter how you want to go back and change the recipe, the the cake is baked. Love is like that. Divine love is like that. Creation and the nature of God is like that. You can't unbake a cake. You can't unspeak marriage vows. You can't unmake God's creation. That which God spoke into existence is in existence because it was spoken into existence. You cannot unlove children. Once you have let the love go, it's out there. You can't pull it back. So Jesus uses this idea that we all get it with children, that they're drawn to Jesus, and they're drawn to Jesus because they're drawn to love, and you can't undo that. You can't filter that out. You say, no, don't let the children come to Jesus. Let them come. There's enough for everybody. Even if we're talking about adult things that our words are so much better than the children's words, if you don't know how to come to the love of God like a child came to Jesus that day, you're going to have a hard time entering. So at the heart of the idea of oneness or World Communion Sunday is this prayer that we have that we confess as human beings we are good at fooling ourselves that we can unmake things or we can filter things or we can divide things or we can say this denomination is better than that denomination or we can somehow make something special by leaving people out and we're we're so good at it that we can really hurt each other in this process and we got we have to confess that i i, I confess I, I have a a great deal of anxiety about all the words i've heard spoken in the last few weeks over our current situation in Washington. It it bothers me, it scares me a little bit because we're so far away from the idea of oneness. Oneness begins with the acknowledgement that that which is eternal cannot be unmade. And you can take the love of God to the bank. You do not have to fear. So World Communion Started in the thirties by the Presbyterians who said, Can't we all just get along? And it really it got some traction and, and a lot of the mainline denominations, we're pretty good at ecumenicalism now. We we don't we don't put each other down like we used to. We don't try to, you know, point out all the reasons why we shouldn't be ecumenical. Um but it's kind of gotten away from the Baptists, Presbyterians, Romans, Catholics, and the Baptists. Now it's spread out even more. And, and you may notice that, that new churches, new institutions, new food chains, new restaurants try to say, by the way, here's the new one because we're better than the old one. And you point out, instead of talking about how great your food is, you, the easy way, the lazy way, the human way, the sinful way is to say how lousy their food is. Our recipe's right, that old recipe's wrong. And the Presbyterian says, look, we got a recipe here. These words that we're about to hear in just a minute are ancient words. They're the ancient recipe. And let's see if we can't use the Lord's table to keep before us the idea of oneness. It's really the hope of the world. My uh, true prayer, my belief, is that while we may be in a time in our society, in our culture, where it's very obvious that we're not good at oneness, we're pretty good at dividing, we're not good at oneness, where's the world going to look for an example of how we can be one? Right here, you guys us let the church get good at it and let christ be the thing that brings us to the table and i believe that there's a yearning inside of everyone because we're all children of god to be with the love of god and so drawing ourselves together around the table of christ as different and diverse as we are The world will see that and they'll say, they got something. They're on to something. Maybe I ought to look into this Jesus thing. Because there's power in it. There's hope in it. And ultimately, there is life in the love of God and Jesus Christ that we're going to celebrate at this table. The words of institution, Christ our Lord invites to his table all those who do truly and earnestly confess of their sins and desire to live a new life in Jesus Christ. Would you join me in the invitation to Holy Communion? These are the ancient words. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. I'm going to stop it right You just did something. You're following an old recipe. We're going to make something beautiful right here. Christ our Lord gathered at the table with his disciples and after he had given thanks he took bread and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said to them take and eat for this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me and likewise after supper he took a cup After he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. and He said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Bless, O Lord, this bread and this cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.